Hey everybody, it's Britt, lead pastor at Sunridge. Welcome or welcome back to the Sunridge Teaching Podcast. You know, we are on a mission here at Sunridge to help people find and follow Jesus. We believe in the good news that Jesus welcomes all, regardless of how far you feel from God. That means we're a great starting point to explore Christianity or to sink your spiritual roots deep as a devoted Jesus follower. For the summer, we are gathering indoors with a team teaching model that provides opportunities for you to stop and process some of the concepts we cover. If you're listening to the podcast, we recommend you too gather with some friends or family to discuss the introspective questions attached to the note sheets you can find at our website. And the podcast will note the appropriate breaks in the Sunday teachings for you to do that. If you'd like to know more about us, just check out our website, sunridgechurch.org. And of course, we'd love to have you drop in anytime for a visit and to learn and worship along with us. And now, here's our teaching for the week. We hope it leads you to encounter the way of Jesus more fully. My name is Jed, and it's an absolute privilege to serve as one of our pastors on staff. Throughout the course of summer, we're in this series where we're looking at the spiritual disciplines that have been a part of Christian and faith communities for centuries, and we're going to be doing that over the course of the next several weeks. And the verse or passage of scripture that we're using to ground us for this series comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 2, which says, do not conform to the pattern of this world but you be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And during our services, you'll get to hear from myself or Lisa or Britt, and typically we're going to be in a rotation where one of the three of us and then some others over the course of the summer will come up, share a little bit, we'll send it down to the floor for a quick question or two, and then we'll take it back to the stage. And every section, we'll go through those pieces of not being conformed to the world, being transformed by the renewing of our minds, and then testing and approving what God's will is. I know it may seem a little bit confusing, but we did this last week, and it worked out super duper well. So again, we're so glad that you're here. Our topic for this morning is solitude. And I don't know how many of you guys like to be alone, but over the course of the last year, there was a lot of time for us to be alone. And one of the things that my family and I did was we watched a show on Netflix that Danny, our middle school pastor, recommended called Alone. And if you haven't watched it, it's the show on the History Channel where contestants are dropped off into an isolated space where they are going to survive with 10 items for an indefinite period of time. They've got 100 pounds of camera gear. They've got to set it up, and they watch themselves. They really are by themselves trying to figure out how to survive in the most insane of circumstances and locations. So to get your minds thinking about solitude, I'd like to introduce you to our friend named Larry. Turn your attention to the screens. Okay. You know, it's these little things they don't, they don't tell you about. They don't tell you about the mice. When, you're, when you go to survival school, they just say, just survive, man. Just survive. They didn't tell me about the mice. All right, well, I'm pulling out all the stops today, boys. Wake up, mice! Wakey, wakey! Wakey, wakey, mice! You wake me up, I'm waking you up. You want a little bear spray?
hope that have just filled their little lungs with toxic fumes. There. That's it. That's all of it, you freaking things. I should air horn them, too. That's fun. <laughs> Smells kind of peppery and refreshing in my shelter. A little peppery. Is it a little peppery in there for you folks? Oh, isn't that gold? A little peppery in there for you folks. Hey, okay, we're going to give you a minute and a half on the floor. Or a few, I think three minutes actually. Here's the question for you, very straightforward. How long could you be completely alone before you went crazy? Like Larry there. So again, turn to the people next to you if you're online, engage in the chat, and then Lisa will be up in a few moments. Okay, I'm curious. Let's take a little poll here. How many of you feel like you could go an entire day totally alone and be good? Okay, lots of us. How many could go a week? Not great. Okay, we've got some people who are just shooting their hands up. Uh, how, okay, how about a month? How many, could, okay. Wow, we are learning things about each other here. And then how about on the other hand, how many of you know that an hour would just be like over the top for you could not even handle? Okay, we've got a couple of our extroverts out here. Well, this morning, just like we will every week of this summer series, we're going to start with the question, according to that Romans 12, 2 framework, which is, according to our spiritual practice for today, solitude, what is the pattern of this world that our Lord, in his love for us, is inviting us to step away from and no longer conform to? Well, thankfully, this week it's kind of easy, because unless we are one of those contestants on a loan, and we stand to gain a lot of money from it, most of us, most of the time, do everything we can to avoid being alone, alone with our own thoughts. And maybe you're sitting there and you're like, because we had a lot of you who were like, no, 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 not me, I'm good, I'm golden, I can go as long as you need me to go. And I get it, I'm a raging introvert myself. And yet, we gotta look a little bit more closely because when we're talking about the spiritual practice of solitude, we're not really talking about getting away by yourself for a little bit of time, having some time just away from all the needs of other people, all the expectations, maybe a me day to yourself, to golf by yourself, mountain bike, take a long nap, do whatever you want. Mm -mm. Instead, what would you think about an extended period of time in quiet and in stillness? No external stimuli, no screens, no phones, no communication to and from others, no activity, no, no sense of feeling productive in that sense of the word, a time that's devoted just to being alone and quiet with God, waiting to receive from him, listening to him. How does that sound? Well, for most of us who are willing to be honest with ourselves, that sounds really hard. Because the pattern of this world that we have been immersed in throughout our entire lives makes the spiritual practice that Jesus invites us to of solitude a really difficult thing. Solitude makes us uncomfortable. 
And why is that? Well, we can look back to what we talked about last week in the context of simplicity. Because remember, we talked about how hard it is to really believe that God is with us and able and present and, and doing and willing to do everything that we need and more. And so if that's the case, then we really can't step away from our lives, can we? We really can't take a break. We couldn't possibly do that. Because doing that would get after this sense of security that we need so much. If our security depends on ourselves, which is that lie that we often believe and operate according to, then we can't lie down on the job, which is exactly what solitude often seems like, isn't it? We need to manage and maintain control over everything by just staying in everything all the time, having a hand in everything or at least a finger because we can't stand to feel helpless. And so the kind of active letting go, an active trust in God that the practice of solitude requires goes against every fretting and controlling bone in our body. Okay, secondly, having a regular and intentional practice of solitude seems impossible to us because we are buying into the lie that who we are, our value, and our life's justification is based on what we do and what we produce. So to go into a period of solitude where it seems like we're doing nothing on purpose for an extended period of time, that feels like the worst possible waste of time to all of us. I'm, I'm guessing I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say that this is probably a problem for a lot of us. I, as you know, I love being alone, and yet I also loathe inefficiency. I have to be being productive. I get very, very cranky if I feel like we're wasting time because that is how I feel good about myself, is by checking off all those to-do boxes and feeling like I'm accomplishing things. When I was in seminary, one of our requirements was that we had to take half a day to do this practice, solitude, half a day, and then we had to write up a reflection on it. And um, I'm gonna confess to all of you here and hope that nobody is watching online who can take away my degree because there is no way that I was going to surrender those six hours to the unproductivity that they required for that assignment. So I was technically alone for those six hours, but I spent those time, that time running a half marathon, doing all my yard work, doing all my cleaning for the week, and then relieving my spiritual guilt by intercessory praying for everybody that I knew, essentially missing the entire point of the practice and the assignment because of my addiction to that feeling of how good it feels to get things done. And that extends to our spiritual life too, doesn't it? Our life with God. We so much think that it's about what we're doing for God that we miss the presence of God, but how many of us are longing for something more, something deeper and richer, an experience of the divine, the kind that scripture promises is available to us, that knowing Christ and being known by him, Jesus himself telling us, and surely I am with you always, with you always, to the very end of the age. But we miss it. We miss him because we refuse to be still and do it in the way that he modeled for us. Because if we would slow down a little bit and get alone with God, we'd have to, we'd have to recognize that a lot of times our souls are just not really doing as well as we would like them to be. It's a lot easier to not have to face the kind of inner wrestling and the inner questions and insecurities that pop up when we do get introspective and alone. And so we just don't. <laughs> we just refuse to do it. 
that kind of coming face-to-face with all of our brokenness and our pain, our sinfulness, our compulsions, our dysfunctions. That is something that most of us would just rather avoid, isn't it? And so we just, we shun solitude. Because to remove ourselves by choice, by those very things that foster so much of our confidence and our sense of identity and security, that is very, very hard work, you guys. Okay, that brings us to question number two that we come to, our second part of that Romans 12.2 framework. How is Jesus inviting us to be transformed? If we've identified the pattern of this world, how then might he be calling us to renew our minds. And for that, we need to look no further than the very example that Christ himself set for us while he was on earth. The Gospels are just full of of Jesus over and over again, retreating regularly from people in order to get with his Father. And we know that he loved the people who he was with and who he encountered on the way. And so not despite that love, but because of that love, He took regular and intentional times to deliberately get away from them. (laughs) And we can participate in our transformation by following his example. It wasn't when when they didn't need him anyway, right? When when everybody was busy and so they weren't really needing Jesus, so he kind of slipped away. No, it was precisely at those moments where he decided he needed to get alone. And so that's what we need to do. We need to participate in our transformation by following his example. And descriptions of this example of him practicing solitude are just all over the Gospels. Remember, right after he was baptized and the voice came from heaven saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased, Jesus left. (laughs) He went away into the wilderness for 40 days. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what it was like for the people who witnessed that scene, do you think that maybe in that moment they might have wanted a little bit of time with the one who was identified by God as the Son of God? Maybe gotten a few of their questions answered? A healing or two? They had needs, and Jesus could meet every single one of those needs. And instead, gone, alone. No explanations, no apologies. We see even further evidence of this in Luke's gospel in chapter 5. It is, a, it is a busy chapter, you guys. I encourage you to look into it. There's a ton going on. Jesus, he's preaching on the banks of the Galilee. This is where he, um, he does the miracle where he fills Peter's nets with fish, and then he subsequently goes on to invite him into the ministry of fishing for people. He heals uh, a man with leprosy, and then just people are coming to him like crazy, for teaching and preaching in this um, and healing in this chapter. He's moving and shaking all over the place. People can't get enough from him. There's, a, there's just an awesome vibe all around him. His team is coming together. There's momentum. There's a buzz. And he, feels, he seems like he's in the sweet spot of his ministry career. So what does Luke tell us that he does? Capitalize on that momentum and the goodwill of the people by healing and saving and preaching the good news morning and night? Nope. Luke tells us that Jesus withdraws to lonely places and prays. And not just once, but often. We see him over and over again in the Gospels getting away. It's actually kind of shocking if you take a look how often Jesus goes away from people precisely at the moment that it seems like 
they most need him, when people most need him. And yet, he is unapologetic about it. There's no sense of shame or guilt or weakness expressed because in Jesus' practice of solitude, we see that he's not calling us to get alone for the sake of being alone, but rather he's calling us to be alone so that we can recognize that we are never, in fact, alone. We go into solitude so that we can participate in our transformation by settling ourselves into the presence of God. It is in sitting still with God that the chaos of our days, all of those competing wants and needs and voices can just settle. Settle in a way that we can actually hear from the one who knows us and wants to give us everything that we need. Here's a picture of some settling. In stillness, the chaos settles and things become more clear. The voice of God becomes more discernible. And sometimes it only takes three seconds. <laughs> sometimes a little bit longer. And sometimes our lives are so complex and the competing voices are so loud that nothing seems clear at all. Everything is just murky. And it takes a much longer time of getting alone with God before we can actually settle into his presence. You know, when we were looking at that video, I was talking this morning about Megan, about whether we should fast forward that part. And we thought, no, we're going to leave it in because there's an uncomfortability even that we felt in this room just now, just sitting for that long. Sometimes it takes being willing to be uncomfortable in sitting still. That's what we have to do. There's a, there's a line that I've been meditating on this week that's in the book of Isaiah that I think is just a beautiful verse. Um, and it's God speaking out to his people in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. And it says, thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength. God reminding his people that it is not through our human efforts, as admirable and well-intentioned as they be, that our strength and our salvation will be found. All those things that make us feel like we couldn't possibly get away from our lives, right? We couldn't possibly leave our regular routines in order to get away and get some time with God. Those are the very things that we need to take a good look at and be willing to step away from for a minute, set aside from for a minute, so that we can free ourselves from the lie, the lie that all this hangs on us. Because when I was looking at that verse, what I realized about this verse that I think is so beautiful that I would be tempted to print out and put on my desk or fridge is that it's actually an incredibly tragic verse. Because look at how the passage continues. Again, this is God speaking to his people. And returning and rest is your salvation, and quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. A thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you will all flee away till you are left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Our Lord is longing for us, longing to be gracious to us, longing to show us his compassion, longing to work his strength and salvation into our days. We can participate in our transformation by receiving what he is longing 
to give us. Because is that, is that one little line in verse 15 as tragic to you as it is to me? But you would have none of it. Instead, we fret and we worry and we stress and we hustle and we manage and we work and we work and we work to gain and maintain an illusion of control in ways that we can never really gain our security. We just, we just trudge on through our days, hustling faster and more furiously, throwing up an occasional Hail Mary of prayer when things get really wild around here, really crazy, and we're really, really desperate. We flee on swift horses from all the chickens in our life. Remember that video that we watched last week? When God is, he's asking us, he's inviting us to get away and tap in to the source of everything that we need to face those chickens, face our life circumstances with all the calm and the clarity and the strength and the hope that come from his presence in us and with us. The next question that you're going to be invited to just reflect on yourself and then talk amongst yourselves is, what are barriers to your experience of solitude in your own life? And which of these, either internal or external, can you overcome? So what we're talking about when we talk about external, those are those things like, I just feel like I don't have time for this. Or I'm in a season of my life where there are people everywhere. Maybe you have teeny tiny kids and they are literally constantly with you. Those are some of those external ones. Whereas an internal barrier would be something like, you're just really uncomfortable right now sitting alone with your own thoughts. You'd rather just avoid that so you're not doing it. Or you're like me and you have to feel productive all the time. So what are some of those things that you would point out as your barriers and then that you might consider asking God if you can overcome them? So you're going to have a little bit of time just to reflect amongst your, just within yourself about a minute and then you'll have three minutes to talk with, your, with each other. All right. Hey, Sunridge. We're going to pick up where we left off. So one of the things I've noticed at my age is that I'm starting to lose my hearing. Evidently, being around loud fire engines and tools has affected my ability to hear. And it's not that I can't hear at all. It is that, you know, when there's background noise, I can't hear. So, like, if I'm sitting in a restaurant and music is playing or people are talking um, around us, I really have to concentrate on the person that is talking to me. And sometimes I can't even make it out, so I either say what a lot, or I just act like I heard what you said. And I try to follow your facial expressions and smile when you're smiling and look concerned when you look concerned. So now you know you're inside my head. Um, so in order for me to hear, I have to turn off the background noise. And obviously, this is, this is not confession time, and it's not about hearing loss either. It has spiritual parallels. So how much noise do you think that we're really exposed to in the world? And if you think about it, uh, some of you aren't going to be able to track with me on this, but uh, it all goes back to the first transistor radio. How many of you remember the first transistor radio? You could take your noise with you. It was the first portable radio, and it even came with a, a little wrist strap so that you could bring it with you. And now, with all the devices that bring noise into our world today, an entire industry has arisen just 
so that you can carry your devices with you. So how many devices do you have with you right now that are noisemakers? I bet you, how many of you have a phone with you right now? How many of you have remembered to silence that phone so that it doesn't go off in the middle of my talk? How many, of you, how many TVs do you have? Let's not talk about that. By the way, noise can be more than audible noise, right? You see what I'm saying. And as Lisa has just noted from Romans 12:2, it's like the pattern of the world is for us to think it's impossible for us to take a few moments to find either that short moment or an extended period of solitude because we find our value in our ability to produce, in our accomplishments, and honestly, we can't really trust God to keep the world moving without us being part of that, right? And then, Lisa noted how Jesus invites us to be transformed in this way. And if you think about it, the Son of God, Jesus, found it necessary to withdraw often, to rest or to center himself, to make a decision, or simply to spend time with his Father. So following that pattern, what can we do, modern, busy believers today, to be transformed in this way? How can we renew our minds? And I think that we would all agree that We need to hear God's promptings. And even if it's not an audible voice, we need to feel God nudging us and have clarity on where God is taking us. And yet, there's so much noise that makes it impossible for us to hear from Him. When is the last time you just sat in silence? Not listening to music or a podcast or a message or with other people, or watching TV. No, Jesus said in John 10, 27, that my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Do you see the progression in this simple statement? There's listening, and then there's following. Our mission statement here at Sunridge is that we are helping people find and follow Jesus, do you see how listening is the precursor to following? Honestly, how often are we following, doing things, making decisions, having not listened to God? That's why we need solitude. It needs to be intentional. And without that, we will not hear his voice. Now, the idea here isn't that we all become ascetics to join a, a monastery somewhere and go off and contemplate our navels. That's not what we're talking about. The goal of solitude is to be alone with God in silence so we can hear his voice. It's important to note, like even in any of the spiritual disciplines that we talk about, that the goal isn't the discipline, right? We can overfocus on that. The goal is to follow Jesus, as we talked about at the very beginning of this series. And in order to follow Jesus, it's obvious that we need to simplify our lives, 
and seek him first, and then also spend time in solitude hearing his voice. So how can we do this together? That's what we've been asking. And so with each one of these practices, we, we have attached a daily meditation. We want us to be grounded and centered in Scripture. So the, the first thing we ask or suggest that we would all do is to spend time in daily meditation. And this week, we want to meditate on Isaiah 30, 15, which says that in, in uh, repentance and rest is our salvation and our and quietness and trust will be our strength. So this week, can I suggest to you that you spend the first five minutes of your morning, get your cup of coffee, and sit down, and don't turn on the TV, don't pick up the paper, don't, don't read your phone, don't check email, just spend five minutes thinking about this verse. And then, during the day, do a check-in with God and think about the words of this verse and seeking solitude. Be alert for those moments uh, during the week when you need that solitude. Then some practices during the day. Number one, suggestion. Look for little solitudes in your life. Kind of like I said, do a little check-in. But you can, in the, the ordinary parts of your day, all the things that you have to get done, we could all capture two or three moments where we just recenter ourselves and remember how close God is to us in that moment. So take a walk. Step out of the office Close your door, look away from the computer screen, and just take a few moments to realign yourself. And use those moments as a checkpoint with God to, to see, are, are you just following the flow of what the world is telling you is important? Or are you being intentional about following Jesus in your day? Suggestion number two, identify a quiet place. If you can find one, moms and dads of small children, maybe it should be the shed in the backyard. That might be a good place to go. In, in your home, outside your home, and just go to that quiet place and kind of try to work your way up in solitude. Progressive training. Start with five minutes in that quiet place and work your way up to 30 minutes by Friday. Go five minutes more each day. Does that sound like a really big challenge to you? It does to me. Suggested number three is to spend a day or part of a day without words. That means you and I not talking. Now, you probably need to tell your family about this plan because they're going to wonder what's going on with you. But it's true, isn't it, that sometimes... We make our own noise. And it's not that we're hearing the noise. It's that our talking is creating the noise and making it impossible for us to hear the voice of God. We have this drive to give our opinion, to say, to speak into. And we could find moments where we're just silent during the day and observing what God is doing around us in the lives of people and listening for God's voice. And then the fourth 
suggestion is simply to turn off the noise in your life. And you know what the noise is, but for you, but try to do something in silence that you typically do with noise around you. A lot of you are runners, and when you run, you listen to podcasts or sermons, or sometimes you have TVs on throughout your house so that whatever room you're in, you have noise. Instead, whatever that thing is that you do, do it with silence around you and contemplate a scripture. Contemplate Isaiah 30, 15, or pick a story out of the gospels and just kind of like meditate on that while you're doing the thing that you do. And then take note of your thoughts. And then last but not least, as we've said, you can choose your own adventure with these. Write your own practice of solitude and do it this week. Some of you would ask, well, why would I even do something like this? It's just totally out of the realm of normality for me. Well, you could do it for your own sanity. That might be one reason to do it. Or to make a decision, or to face your day, or the thing that's ahead of you in your day. You could do it to find rest. You could do it to meet God. Or you could do it to allow God to meet with you. Because for some of you, the truth is, God's been trying to get an appointment with you for a very long time. Or you might even meet yourself in a fresh, new way. I'm going to pray, and uh, we're going to go to a discussion time. So if you are uh, watching online, if you're listening to this as a podcast, we encourage you to stop either during the message or later, and ask these questions with your family or a group that you're with or friends. Um, and then following our discussion time, we're going to have a baptism. We have some folks here through the ministry of our church in various ways have come to know Jesus, and they're going to be following our Lord in baptism here. The couple of questions that you're going to be contemplating, you go one of two ways. Again, you can choose your own adventure. One, you can talk about what you did last week in regard to simplicity. How did you do it? And what, what were your experiences? What did you learn from that? Or you can talk about this week's uh, practice about what sounds really fun about this to you or like what sounds really scary or out of the box challenging to you. Either way, you can do one or the other. Let me pray. God, We desperately need to hear your voice. Some of us are brand new to faith. Some of us have never even thought about faith, and we've ended up in church here today, and some of us have like deep roots. And yet for, from wherever we're coming, um, it can just be so easy to go with the flow and to do what our culture is telling us to do and the way and to believe what our culture tells us to believe and to place importance on what our culture tells us is important or will bring us happiness and we just want to hear your voice in our lives would you help us to be able to do that in the way that you lead us to do so in Jesus name amen thank you Hey, everybody, it's Britt again. Thanks for listening. If you need help with something, if you have a question or you'd like us to pray for you, you can reach us through email, info at sunridgechurch.org.
Or if you'd like to know more about us, just go to our website, sunridgechurch.org. It's super easy to navigate. We hope you'll listen in again next week. And in the meantime, wherever you go, be the salt and light of the world.